Hello, I'm Mark Foden and welcome once more to The Clock and the Cat, a podcast of conversations about complexity. The Clock and the Cat explores the emerging science of complexity, ultimately to help you generate better ideas and make better decisions, whatever you're involved with. This is episode seven and today I'm going to be chatting with Dr. Toby Lowe. Clock Cat regulars will be bored with this intro bit, but I have to say that if this is your first experience of this podcast and you don't know what it's about, please do go back and listen to episode one for a seven minute roaringly riveting rattle on its origins by me. Welcome back if you went away. I'm with Toby Lowe. Toby and I bumped into each other on Twitter earlier in the year and we've met in person a few times since. Toby is a lecturer at Newcastle Business School and his bag is the funding, commissioning and performance management of social interventions. His stick of Whitley Bay rock has got complexity written the whole way through it. Over the past couple of years, he's been involved in a hugely interesting research project applying complexity ideas to social interventions. The project has produced two reports, A Whole New World, and more recently, Exploring the New World, which have been hugely well received. They're linked in the show notes, so don't miss them. Toby, it's absolutely fabulous to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So, Toby, tell us, how did you end up getting on the complexity bus? What a great question. So I ended up on the complexity bus because complexity helped to explain uh, a problem that otherwise we couldn't get our heads around in public management. So what was that then, Toby? What could you not get your head around? The problem I was concerned with at the time was, why does outcome-based performance management fail? So what sounds like a really good idea that we should assess the contribution and manage the performance of social interventions, whether those are in the public sector or the voluntary sector, by the results that they make in the world, by the outcomes that they produce. That sounds like a really good idea, right? What, who wouldn't want to manage? Well, it's, com- it's completely natural. You know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Exactly. And, and the evolution of that idea was that, okay, we start off by measuring inputs. That's not very good. Okay, we should measure outputs for how many of the things we do. That's not so good. Oh, so we should, so we should measure the outcomes, the results of this stuff in the world. That's a perfectly sensible set of kind of the evolution of that thinking. But the trouble is, whenever the, that was studied in the world, whenever the implementation of that approach was evaluated, it basically said it fails. And it fails in exactly the same way each time. It creates gaming, people deliberately manipulating the production of data, rather than people actually improving the services themselves. So we were, we were kind of trying to understand why this fails in, exa- in, in, in the way that it does seemingly so universally. And, and complexity, the idea of complexity was what helped us explain why outcome-based performance. So where did, it, where did this first sort of enter your, uh, enter your head? What was it that sparked it? So I, it was, I think I read an article by Chris Moles uh, around, on complexity and evaluation saying uh, we should stop trying to attribute uh, the results that different interventions produce to those interventions themselves because in a complex environment that's impossible. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, really in, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that idea because it seems to get to the heart of the problem that we were seeing in the outcome-based performance management world. Um, and so 
it was it, it was Chris Moles's work that kind of first gave me the the introduction to this. Oh, that's that's really interesting because I did a I, I did a conference last. Uh, yeah, in fact, it was like this May with Chris Moles and um, oh God, the University of Hertfordshire. Have you? Have yes. You, are, you, are you are you aware of that? Have you have you been to that conference? I wanted to go this time this year's conference, but uh, I found out about it too late. I'm hoping to go to next year's uh, conference because the the lineups and what they talk about look amazing just seeing if we're going to be able to afford it i found it absolutely fascinating and it's quite radical um the the sort of idea of complex responsive processes i don't know if you've um if you've uh, read up a bit about any of that stuff but it's uh, i i found it absolutely riveting so um definitely worth doing and i did talk about it with uh, in a previous episode with daniel thornton who's been to um who's been to the conference there it's absolutely not to be missed that feedback sounds good i shall um, try and bump it up my priority list <laughs> okay so yeah so so you read something that chris moles wrote and it sparked the idea that it might help you with the sort of public public management challenge that you've got and uh, so i mean how long did, ago did that happen so that was about five years ago I oh think. gosh that, 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 that yeah and so at that point we'd we got to the position being able to say that the outcome-based performance management, the, the, the previous position that people had got to was when they'd studied the implementation of outcome-based performance management was that um, it failed for technical reasons about measurement. So outcome-based performance management created gaming and perverse incentives because we weren't measuring the right things or we weren't measuring the right things in the right way. Complexity helped me to be able to demonstrate was the uh, outcome-based performance management uh, isn't flawed in a way which can be fixed by a kind of technical change to measurement. It's conceptually flawed. And so whenever it is implemented, it necessarily produces the drivers for gaming uh, and, and for perverse incentives. And so you can't fix outcome-based performance management and by extension, the whole of the kind of new public management realm. It's conceptually flawed. Is this... What led to the, the sort of new world or uh, the new world series of reports? Exactly. What we realised was that if the kind of current paradigm is conceptually flawed, it can't be fixed. So we needed a new paradigm to help us with the task of public management. How should we fund, commission and manage public services and voluntary sector work, which kind of broadly come under the heading of social interventions, right? And so... It was complexity as an idea that gave us the launching point for the question, what can we do next? What should we do next in terms of public management? So that's interesting. So you, you, had, uh, you had this idea for this, for this research. Uh, how did it get funded? I mean, did the, did the Newcastle Business School pay for it? Because you've got a, you've got a, a crackpot idea about doing something <laughs> fundamentally different. How do you persuade people to pay you to do it? What was interesting was that a number of people became interested in the idea. So I convened, it will have been about four or five years ago now, we convened a set of meetings that involved some senior people at the Big Lottery Fund, as it was then, plus a range of other uh, charitable foundations like the Tudor Trust and some other kind of thinkers and doers in this kind of space and said, just kind of tested these ideas out, basically. We, we think there is something 
uh, fundamentally wrong with the way we're doing this stuff at the moment. We think complexity is part of the answer of finding out what we can do next. Who will kind of back us to to experiment in, with this stuff? And fortunately, we got a kind of a small development grant from the big lottery fund. And what that enabled us to do was to turn to a bunch of the charitable foundations and public sector commissioners who we'd been told were doing things differently. And we just asked them the question, how do you experience and respond to complexity? And so what, and was, the, what was the kind of, uh, sorry, so what was the kind of response that you had from that? Where, did they look at you blankly or, or had, had they heard of these kind of ideas before or what? So it was, it was important that we set out what we meant by complexity when we don't because when we first started that process there weren't very many people who were kind of familiar with uh, with that language so we said to people oh, and what we mean by complexity is uh, complexity in the need that you experience so when the people who are at the sharp end of the work that you support whether those people uh, have a variety of need and so whether the outcomes that you're trying to create look different from from different people's perspectives so firstly we said we think complexity means variety of need you're talking in the sense of um, the sort of common or garden understanding of complexity and not particularly about the sort of complex adaptive system Thinking. No, no, indeed, because we, we, so we, we introduced them to the language of complexity in the, uh, in, in the research questions that we did, but we helped frame that for them by saying, and this is what we think we mean by complexity, because otherwise we would have just faced a lot of kind of bemused uh, things. What? What are you, complexity? What are you talking about? So I mean, one of the things that we talked about before is, is it okay to talk about complexity? Because I mean, my experience is, I'm, particularly when I'm doing my consulting work, I generally try to avoid talking about it because, um, well, people think you're a bit crazy. I mean, I don't know if, <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe that's just me. Because if you, if you talk about, you say you mean something specific by complexity, they say, oh, what do you mean? And then you're into this huge discussion about, emergence and all that stuff um, so how do you handle that well one of the interesting things is that our experience of this has changed significantly over the kind of four or five years where we've been explicitly using the language of complexity in that when we first started it out uh, started out on this path people explicitly told us not to use the language of complexity because it was mm. off-putting and uh, but we thought actually there is something important about introducing this idea to people because without it, you can't explain why the linear processes of outcome-based performance management and other aspects of new public management fail. So it is the nature of emergence. It is the dynamic nature of complex systems that are the crucial ideas which explain why the previous paradigm fails. So you have to get to grips with and help other people get to grips with those ideas in order to help them to kind of move the debate along some. So I think that's kind of where I got to. Uh, that I thought, and the reason I 
got this podcast going is because I think it's people, it's important for people to understand. So one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast was I, I think it's really important for people to understand what complexity is from a technical point of view. Um, and let's, let's bring some of that into the language in exactly the same way that um, you might help uh, managers to understand what statistics are what standard deviations are you know things like that are absolutely fundamental when you're making uh, making decisions on data so why isn't this any different the fact is that it's a comparatively comparatively new set of ideas um, and it's going to take a decade or two probably um, to, to, to bring that language into um, in, into the into common usage but it sounds well it sounds very encouragingly from what you're saying that maybe that's that's actually starting i think it's so interesting mark and kind of t i want to pick up two things in response to that firstly the ideas behind complexity are fundamental are so important for this because one of the things that was said about the whole business of kind of outcome-based performance management and the the idea of measuring performance and holding people accountable for it is that people who, who are supporters of that use the language of robustness around it. They say that this is robust work. And what complexity does is that that blows that completely out of the water. It demonstrates that that approach is fundamentally not robust. It is correct to use that, those kind of approaches in complex environments. And we can show to the highest level of proof in the kind of natural sciences that that approach is simply wrong in, in a complex environment. So it's... The, the underlying ideas are so important for being able to, to dismantle this idea that the idea of um, uh, so randomized controlled trials as uh, key evaluation tools in complex environments. Uh, people describe that as robust. It's not robust. It's epistemologically wrong in a complex environment. And we can demonstrate that. So that I, I think that Delving into the conceptual ideas which underpin this help to uh, really get to grips with some of the failures of the existing forms of public management. That's why it's important that, that we talk the language of complexity. This is really interesting because you're talking about randomised controlled trials. And when, and when folks say that, they, you think, you know, it sounds good, doesn't it? But as you say, when complexity applies, then it just doesn't work. And it's, it's that sort of goes without saying thing that gets in the way um, because people assume, oh, right, yeah, it's obvious. That's, that's what we need. It's obvious we need to, to measure something. And there are so many things that are taken for granted that we have to, there are so many things that have to be unpicked when we're dealing with genuinely complex situations. And, and, and this is it in the, the ideas and the maths which underpin complexity and i would have to say that i understand complexity better from a kind of conceptual and philosophical perspective than from a mathematical perspective but one of the things i like about it is that there are different routes into this but the conceptual points that, that underpin complexity provide that fundamental challenge which was kind of lacking before um, because otherwise people who wanted to do the kind of the, the positivist quantifiable approach they, they could always kind of fall back on the argument and say this is the this is the most robust this is the most scientifically accurate this is the the most kind of epistemologically uh, founded approach that we can do therefore everyone has to go along with it if you want to do this stuff well 
Well, now we can say, actually, no, that's fundamentally not true. And we can demonstrate it. And if you try and argue uh, uh, with us about the, uh, the science underpinning this, I'll take your health economist and I will raise you a physicist. It is really interesting because... Um, you know, one of the greatest physicists, Murray, Murray Gell-Mann, was one of the founders of the Santa Fe Institute, the chap that discovered the quark. And, and so there is a lot of quite hard science connected with complexity. It's just that we don't really, we don't, in, in the sort of social and management spheres, we just haven't come across it that much. But maybe, but, but you know, as you say, maybe that's changing. Maybe you are changing it, Toby. In fact, you are changing it. One of the, the questions that I have about the use that I put complexity to is that whilst I understand the hard science take on complexity from a kind of philosophy of science perspective and so kind of i understand the kind of epistemological foundations of this stuff i don't speak the mathematical languages of the people who use it and i i sometimes wonder whether my lack of understanding of that means that i'm not applying those ideas correctly so actually i was out in um, at stanford university last year uh, speaking to their complexity group which is um, coordinated by uh, a fantastic scientist who studies ant, ant colonies and for uh, his uh, research area. And so one of the things I was really excited to do was to test my understanding of complexity in the management space against his more uh, kind of hard science understandings and have them kind of pulled apart. And one of the, uh, one of the kind of nice things about that was that it, the the kind of stuff that we were saying seemed to survive that interrogation which was great and so that's really encouraging that the the the, the things you're thinking are being reflected by the sort of let's say more scientific end of things but i just it does bother me slightly that quite a lot of hard science type folks piling into this area and applying numerical techniques to let's say turn complex things into complicated things so that they can then they can then yeah. be managed i um, build a set of analytical techniques that will deal with complexity and of course that's um hugely attractive to people who are managing things because it takes away it takes away the complexity but actually genuine complexity doesn't isn't going to yield to that kind of approach or it seems to me it won't indeed and the i really like the distinction that david byrne draws between kind of generalized complexity and restricted complexity and it seems that the elements of the the social intervention world have been a bit attracted to the kind of restricted complexity side uh, so for example the kind of the use of agent based modeling techniques in kind of various planning processes and planning and design processes and i, I would never say that really try and pass comment on the detail any of those because it's it's not my area but the the true potential of complexity i think lies in the more general in what david byrne calls the generalized complexity and that and the fundamental challenge that that creates to the whole business of public management and he david byrne has that beautiful phrase that says in a complex system we must be humble about any knowledge claims that we make and I think that's the fundamental insight that complexity gives us into management because it's, 
you can translate that really, really easily. Say, okay, that means that any measurement we take in that system, such as is this outcome being achieved or not? How is this organization performing? How is this team performing? We need to be humble about any claim to knowledge we make from measurement. That, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, exactly what you don't get in most highly charged situations. Today being the day that um, the, the EU has um, g- given the Brexit extension to the 31st of January. I mean, just all that stuff echoing around. If there's a complex situation, then, then there's that one. Um, but what you're saying and what David Byrne was saying is that humbleness is crucial to this and actually trust is as well. Well, th- this is this this is where this is where we got to with the the conversation that we had with the people that we interviewed when we when we asked them the question, um, how do you experience complexity and how do you respond to that complexity? When we asked them that question, they said they started to talk about relationships and trust, and we thought because I had I'd had I'd previously had an inkling that there was a, a connection between appropriate management response to complexity and trust but I hadn't been able to kind of fully articulate it but in when so we followed up that question with those people who started talking about relationships and trust okay how do you use relationships and trust to manage in complexity the practices we were able to uncover through asking those questions were fascinating in in that they they essentially revealed that to operate successfully in a complex environment as a kind of public service or as a voluntary sector intervention, you needed to trust the people who were doing the work because you needed to create the space for them to respond appropriately to the ever-changing detail of the context in which they were operating in. And so it made that fundamental link between the kind of the dynamic nature of complex systems and the level of detail that is required to make a good judgment within those systems and kind of a completely different way of thinking about how management works. If, if you're dealing with a, a complex situation then that, that the, the relationships and the trust has to come first. Um, yep. It's not the plan and then we've got the plan now let's build some trust around it it's it's the other way around and that and that means that managers need a well a completely different uh, uh, sort of bias in their skills i guess they need to be much more in, in the territory of being able to build relationships and exactly because it turns the kind of purpose of management upside down it says it is your job as a manager to build an inf- the effective ecosystem in which the the people who work for you operate so they can only know enough about the system to work well if they are able to build effective relationships across that system and particularly with the people that they're supposed to help so how as a manager are you enabling them to build those effective relationships how are you challenging any of the system conditions that would prevent those effective relationships and how are you creating the conditions for trust in that system how do you how do we make the time to build those relationships I, I appreciate that it's sort of fundamentally important but if you've got business cases to write and management boards to satisfy how do you how, how do you make the time to do that well, this is why the change in practices that we're talking about for managers aren't just 
changing practices or changing ideas. They're a fundamental paradigmatic shift about how public management is done. So this is the kind of argument that we make because it's really hard to make the time to build relationships and do the really human scale things that enable this stuff to flourish if you're trying to operate within a management system that is fundamentally based on the ideas of new public management that we cannot trust the people doing the work and that you need to put in place effective metrics to monitor the, those people so that they keep doing the things that the people who know better at the top uh, tell them that they're supposed to be doing. You can't just tinker with that stuff as a manager. You need to expand the whole sphere of influence so that as many people as you can are operating in that way. I mean, Hilary Cotton's book, the, this year I thought was fabulous because she talked a lot about that kind of thing I, I presume you, you I guess you know her you do I, I, uh, I'm yes I'm, uh, I'm very familiar with those as a set of ideas and I, I think the work she does is tremendous so we talked about is it okay to talk about complexity we talked about problems of measurement and targets and we talked about complexity and trust and is, is there anything else that you particularly think it'd be good to to, to talk about um I think there's been an increasing comfort with some of the language and ideas of complexity. So when we released our first report called A Whole New World, the, it, the subtitle was Funding and Commissioning in Complexity. That was in May 2017. And kind of in the build up to that, when we were kind of having it proofread and checked and edited by different people, a couple of people said to us, like, don't, don't use the language of complexity. You'll just pick people off. Um, but for the reasons that we've gone through, I thought, actually, it's an important idea to get out there. So even just two years ago, people were saying to us, don't, don't speak that language, you'll frighten people. Now we have the language of complexity spoken back to us by a range of other people. So uh, there's more than a handful of reports this year talking about the challenges of complexity. I find this incredibly encouraging because that means even if they don't have a grip on the kind of the full conceptual underpinnings of this, it means that we can, we can say to people, fantastic that you recognize that this stuff is complex. And now, but that, that doesn't just mean this is quite hard and complicated. It means as soon as you recognize a problem as complex, a whole different set of rules and practices unnecessary so the strategies that you have used to manage in a complicated or a simple environment are not the right strategies to manage in a complex environment and it's so even that partial understanding that people have gives us the space to create whole different uh, challenges to existing practice. So there was a, a report produced a set of people in Scotland evaluating an intervention for older people I think it was in and they said what what should we do in a kind of complex environment and so they were recognizing the problem that in front of them as complex but then they came up with a very traditional set of recommendations around measuring outcomes better and basically all the things that new public management would have told them to do just turned up to 11 but because they used the language of complexity back to us we were able to say oh, as soon as you recognize that this is a complex problem those things that you think you just need to do more of or do them better they they're entirely inappropriate and you need a different kind of strategic response once you have identified that the problem is complex so so there we go toby Lowe, 
turning the purpose of management upside down. What a great place to finish. Thank you so much. That was really cool, really interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure folks are going to find it absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much indeed. You're very okay, welcome. Then. Pleasure to speak with you, Mark.